0: Welcome back to WBAI New York 99.5 FM and streaming live via WBAI.org. This is Driving Forces, a weekly show that dives into the big issues affecting our communities and our country. I'm Celeste Katz-Marston here as always with the great Jeff Simmons. How are you doing today, Jeff? I'm doing fine,
1: Celeste. And as our WBAI listeners know, this is an abbreviated show because if you've been listening to WBAI, you know this is where you can get programming like you just heard. You're not hearing it anywhere else. And that's why we're so grateful that you're tuning into WBAI today.
0: So WBAI, as Jeff said, just presented some special programming about Mumia Abu-Jamal. So we do have a curtailed program today, but we can still have a great conversation about something that is really important to our city. As part of our 2020 series, New York in Crisis, WBAI's coronavirus diary, we checked in with the community organization, New York City Relief, on how COVID-19 and the pandemic was affecting the city's homeless population. So our engineer, Reggie, is going to play that interview with the former organization leader, Juan Galloway, and then we will be back to get a live update from New York City Relief. Let's hear that clip.
2: I've been working with people experiencing homelessness for 17 years. And in all those years, I've never seen anything like the um, level of desperation, hunger, uh, lack of resources and nowhere to run for those who are most vulnerable to the uh, COVID-19 virus. The COVID-19 pandemic has really served as a blacklight to expose Uh, an issue that was already an utter disaster, which is the largest homeless population in the nation in New York City. We are a mobile outreach uh, that goes to multiple, seven different locations around the New York City metro area every week. And we serve soup, bread, hot chocolate. We give out socks and that draws in hundreds of people uh, to get something to eat. But then we help them with the long term help like shelter, Rehabilitation, job training, medical care. But primarily during this pandemic, we have been having to focus on essential services, meaning food, because many of the soup kitchens around New York City have shut down because they're volunteer uh, run or they're run by retirees or people that were not able to cope with the, um, you know, the health pr- and safety protocols. Typically, we might serve around 400 meals in a day. But what we've seen is double the amount, uh, up to 850 servings, uh, meals in one day. We've seen lines around the block, down the corner. It's amazing. I've never seen anything like it in all my years. To protect the people that we're serving, we had to make sure that, first of all, our volunteers and our staff had safety equipment, uh, masks, gloves, disinfecting surfaces. So we spaced people out in line by six feet between each person when they're waiting for food. We provide hand washing or sanitizing stations uh, for those who are on the streets. We also provide flyers uh, and literature uh, to help them understand how to prevent the virus because they're not able to watch the news at home. They have no home. Um, we also have been giving out paperwork uh, with lists of resources like the other places they can get food in the city, places they can get showers. There's not that many uh, places they can get medical care. Many are elderly and many have compromised immune systems. And so we're trying to connect them to those vital resources to keep them alive. When the pandemic hit, most of our volunteers actually canceled on us, which is understandable, uh, you know, taking health precautions. But what I was really touched by was the many volunteers who stepped up. Um, not as many as we usually have, but I had an elderly woman who is very – I've known her for many years. She's been a volunteer for many years with us. And she's, um, she's very poor herself and just a uh, step away from homelessness. But she shows up every week. There she was. Um, handing out socks to people and giving them, you know, a kind word, an encouraging word. And so I love it when I see New Yorkers show up uh, and put themselves in harm's way, potentially put their health at risk to help someone who is definitely worse off and needs a friend in time of trouble.
1: And as Celeste had noted, that was former organization leader Juan Galloway, but we are glad now to welcome Josiah Haken of the New York City Relief to WBAI for an update. Josiah, thank you so much for joining us here today on WBAI.
3: Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me.
1: So, briefly, fill us in on what has changed with the situation affecting people who are experiencing homelessness since what we learned in our New York in Crisis segment last year.
0: Well,
3: you know, a lot of time has gone by. and. The the city was definitely able to respond. Um, I think initially the crisis obviously caught everybody off guard, um, and you know when when people kind of left the city and uh, everything shut down and and all the soup kitchens and uh, pantries or at least a third of them closed up. Um, over time, everyone was uh, able to respond and, and increase the response, and it was really encouraging to see the city. Uh, for example, provide uh, school meals to everybody from not only kids, but also adults and, and people who are experiencing homelessness. And, um, and there's a lot of organizations that uh, sort of banded together um, to to respond to the needs. So one of the most encouraging things I've seen over the last year is just the response of nonprofits and uh, city agencies and, and leadership that allowed us all to kind of collectively pool our resources and, and work together to respond to the crisis that we were dealing with.
0: So Josiah, thanks for joining us today here on WBAI. So what kinds of services, what kinds of help is uh, New York City Relief providing during the pandemic? What kind of things are people looking for? And are they looking for more of those things uh, given the the state of the economy right now?
3: Yeah, so we're we're providing, we're continuing to provide emergency meals. Um, Obviously, people are hungry every day, right? Uh, you, you get fed once, but you're going to be hungry again. Um, we also continue to provide PPE for our guests, um, masks, uh, brand-new Bomba socks that we, that we give away at all of our outreaches. Um, and we also provide uh, case management services and connections to other resources um, that are available to people. Um, for example, one of the things we, we, we realized early on uh, throughout the crisis was that a lot of our guests needed cell phones. Um, we didn't, you know, if, if you can't access uh, services that have all gone virtual for for a period of time there, people couldn't even uh, re-up their food stamps or, or get a hold of uh, the, you know, the Human Resources Administration or, or Medicaid office without having a cell phone. So we uh, provide cell phones for our guests so that they could not only connect with us and our caseworkers and our, and our team, but also so they could connect with the, the services that they needed on an ongoing basis. And um, right now, another another thing that people really need, uh, we're seeing it escalating as time goes by, is, is even access to clothing, emergency clothing, um, because a lot of uh, places where people would go for clothing uh, pre-pandemic um, closed down. And, I mean, the good news, like I said, is that since, oh, it's been a year now, and, and there are places that have reopened, and, and there are services that are sort of coming back online, um, but the needs are still huge. Uh, the people... Uh, that we serve are still uh, really struggling to survive, um, because while the while the, while things have improved, um, things are certainly not back to pre-pandemic levels in terms of access to services and um, access to even just getting inside to a, like a coffee shop or uh, a restaurant, even for a few uh, few hours to rest is no is still not an option. So there's a lot of people who are out in the cold for longer periods of time, and and their clothes are getting worn out and. Um, you know, even just today at our outreach in the Lower East Side, we met a gentleman with no shirt on, um, and it was uh, it was freezing out. Uh, it was know I mean, it wasn't freezing technically, but it was cold and it's rainy, and um, and so our our team ended up just giving him uh, literally the jacket off our backs um, because th- it was that situation of urgency. And uh, there's a lot of people out there who are still really struggling just to just to make it through the day.
0: And you know, since you mentioned that, um, a lot of the imagery that we saw during the pandemic, not of people who were physically sick, but of people who were struggling economically. Uh, There was a lot of discussion about how people who had never experienced this kind of economic crisis at home whether it be struggling to uh, make rent or uh, having lost a job and so on you know a lot of people uh, that had not reached out for any kind of help in the past uh, having to do that did you have the experience or are you having the experience of seeing people who have never asked for help or perhaps even never experienced being homeless uh, coming to you for some kind of support
3: yeah, I mean it's absolutely true. Um, we we are seeing seeing people who are in in, in a new situation um, who were able to sort of make make ends meet, um, but then they you know they they kind of lost they lost touch with their 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 connection to their employment. Um, for example, I mean especially people in the service industry. Um, you know we see a lot of restaurant workers. Um, we see a lot of of people who worked uh, you know in the tourism industry. Um, who over the last year have, have just struggled. And, and, and honestly, one of the, the groups of people that we see the most, uh, which is one of the, the most difficult to, to help, are, are folks who are undocumented, um, who you know, didn't qualify for any services that um, you know, the government provided. And, um, and the problem is a lot of people were like, they were working in a restaurant or they were working in the service industry, and then uh, they were sharing, you know, sh- splitting rent among a coworker, um, but then, when the pandemic hit and a lot of restaurants closed down and a lot of uh, service industry places uh, closed their doors, um, uh, so many people ended up falling through the cracks. Um, so we're we're seeing a, a lot of people who are, um, you know, still trying to trying to figure out how to put the pieces together. Um, so yeah, it's been a, it's been a real challenge to to try to help people access services for the first time. But honestly, one of the most frustrating things for me, as someone who's been doing this work for over 10 years is even seeing some people who we had helped get out of homelessness who have fallen back into it. Um, and, and that's, that's really disheartening is when you, you know, you've been able to see someone make progress and see someone kind of, you know, get that job and, and get off the street, but then only to have this sort of the legs cut out from underneath them um, through this pandemic. That's been, that's been really difficult to see as well.
1: And Josiah, this is Jeff. I'm glad that you had mentioned that about undocumented. I work with a number of nonprofits, including uh, one organization that assists those experiencing homelessness. And one of the uh, things that they've encountered over this last year Even though there have been eviction moratoria, have been the number of undocumented coming to them where they've been threatened by landlords that they would be exposed if they did not pay the rent, which put them in the worst type of situation. I want to segue over to uh, something uh, that Celeste has brought up with me, which is that – Amid the pandemic, it's been difficult for organizations to find people to volunteer. Volunteer programs have had to also adjust amid the pandemic. What does your volunteer situation look like now, and what do you expect as more New Yorkers get vaccinated?
3: Yeah, I, so our our volunteer situation has has gotten steadily, you know, better as people have gotten vaccinated. Um, I we are we are cautiously optimistic um, that there are are more and more people who are. You know, kind of chomping at the bit to get outside uh, and and get involved and and, and do things to to help their their community. Um, So we you know we're seeing our volunteer numbers start to to start to trend upwards, um, but that's relative to like the pandemic levels, right? So um, you know it's it's certainly certainly not what it was before uh, before March of 2020 by any means. Um, But we we are starting as people are getting vaccinated. Um, we are seeing more people uh, coming out. and obviously, we're still requiring you know uh, health checks and, and masks and and everything that that's necessary um, for for our for our volunteers and our staff. but i'm I'm cautiously optimistic and and I do think that you know there are people out there who um, who if they're looking for a place to volunteer, you know our, our organization would love to you know love to have them um, because there's lots of opportunities to to get involved and um, and, and once, and again, depending on the, the, the even the skill level. I mean, for example, we're trying to help our guests um, get access to stimulus payments um, that have been approved. And um, one of the things that that requires is is help even filing their ta- filing taxes. Um, so we we're also looking for sort of spe- a specialized labor force uh, of people who are able to help in in specific areas who. You know, a year ago, when I reached out for volunteers to help with the the first stimulus, the first round of stimulus, we got we got crickets. There was nobody who was able to come out because as soon as they found out it was in person, they're like, "Yeah, we can't help you with that." Um, but now we're we're starting to see more people respond, and it's but you know as the needs you know continue to to evolve, and as the the services continue to to, to change, we're, we're definitely looking for more volunteers and and more people who can kind of roll up their sleeves and, and help us out.
0: And Josiah, I know that uh, New York City Relief has a a big event coming up that you've been doing a lot of planning for. How can people find out more about that and find out more about you and the work you do?
3: Yeah, we have a so as lots of organizations have had to shift amid this pandemic to, uh, you know, to support the work that they're doing. Uh, we we are we are no different. We we on on Tuesday evening we're going to be hosting our first ever virtual gala, um, and it's. Uh, it's just an opportunity for, for us to celebrate our volunteers who have been able to, to serve with us over the last year. And it's also an opportunity for us to raise funds so that we can continue to serve uh, the rising you know, the rising needs. So people can go to our website. It's just uh, NewYorkCityRelief.org. Um, or they can find us on social media, our Instagram account uh, at NYC underscore Relief. Um, and, you know, we we would love for anyone who's interested in learning more, even this event on Tuesday night it's from 7 p.m. to 8 p.m., uh, it would be a great opportunity for people to even learn about the work that we're doing, um, in addition to also helping us, uh, you know, continue to do it.
1: Jo- uh, Josiah Haken of New York City Relief, I'd like to thank you so much for joining Celeste Katz-Marston and myself here on WBAI today.
3: My pleasure. Thank you for, for everything.
1: So, If you've been tuning in, this is an abbreviated show, and we're going to have to wrap in about just a minute. I will let you know very briefly so Celeste can close the show that I will be back on Sunday morning at 10 a.m. with City Watch. I've got a jam-packed show then. I won't even go into all the details except to say I have two authors. One, you're going to love Liars falsehoods and free speech in the age of deception and you know who's going to come up when that we talk about that and the other former new york city council member dan garodnik who has a book called saving stuyves in town if you're a tenant in this city and if you want to advocate for your rights you want to tune in then
0: Thank you so much to our guest today, Josiah Haken of New York City Relief. If you missed any part of the program, check us out at WBAI.org. And check out, of course, our Ways to Donate button. We always appreciate your support. You can find us on SoundCloud, Twitter, and Facebook under the name Driving Forces. For now, stay tuned to WBAI. See you on the radio.
1: next WBAI community advisory board meeting will be held on Sunday, April 18th, 2021 at 1 p.m. The meeting will be held by teleconference. The call-in number is 623-600-3766. The access number is 963-003. Again, the call-in number is 623-600-3766. The access number is 963-003. Zero zero three. That date is Sunday, April eighteenth at one PM. Everyone is welcome to call in and attend the meeting.
2: I'm Marcia Pendleton producer and host of Backstage Stories on WBAI New York. This week, award-winning playwright Erica Dickinson Dispenza and acclaimed actress Lizanne Mitchell will introduce us to the new audio play Shadowland, a devastating drama set during Hurricane Katrina centered on the experience of a black mother and daughter in New Orleans as the hurricane approaches. Join us on Thursday, April 15th at 9 p.m. for an hour of great conversation and music on another compelling episode of Backstage Stories.
3: Hello, New York City. My name's Hannah Cousins, otherwise known as DJ Bangs, and I'm a student DJ at UNC Chapel Hill. I'm normally heard exclusively on our campus radio station, WXYC Chapel Hill, 89.3 FM. We broadcast to the Chapel Hill-Durham area of North Carolina. But this Friday night, some friends and I are graduating from our radio station to yours. That's right. It's a Tar Heel takeover, and we're taking control of the Harlem Connection on WBAI. Think of it as the Harlem Connection with some North
0: Carolina flavor to it.
3: So join us for the journey this Friday night at 10 right here on WBAI 99.5 FM and on WBAI.org.
2: i'm david rothenberg i'm on wbai
3: every saturday morning i've been on since well forever saturday
2: april 17th i have a special guest and i want to alert you about him his name is jesse bodine and he's the district attorney in san francisco he'll be joining me and his
3: story is as different from any other district attorney in the history of criminal justice in the united states I go on at 8 o'clock Saturday morning. just will be on with me about 9, and I invite you to join us. Look forward to seeing you or having you hear us Saturday, April 17th. It's autumn. The birds and ear massage are migrating to Sundays, 6 to 8 a.m. I'm Mark Leosa, your ear masseur, inviting you to give ear to ear massage. Sound, spoken word, a bit of opera, and maybe music you never heard before, including the bird of the week. Ear massage between Jeff Brady and other news, and your morning ursay with James Ursay, here on WBAI New York, 99.5 FM. Ear massage.